up, guys? Welcome back to Keeping It Raw. And uh, I just saw this trailer to the McDonald's Monopoly scam uh, documentary that they're doing on HBO. I didn't know about this, uh, but the McDonald's Monopoly. Have you ever played this game? Basically, you buy something from McDonald's and it comes with the labels. You peel off the labels and you see if you're an instant winner or you collect the pieces and you get bigger prizes. Uh, I've played this, you know, before, obviously, but I uh, I didn't know about this scam. So apparently back, it, this started like in 88 or 89, but this guy that worked as a security guard for the factory that made all the labels would steal the labels. He would steal sheets of labels, and then he would sell them off to people. He would start off by selling them to friends and family, and then he it went all the way to the mob. He was connected with people with the mob, and uh, the guy was just a money machine. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the way he got caught was that the wife of one of the mob members he was selling to just did an, an anonymous tip. And uh, it was exposed, the whole thing. They had to do an investigation. And the day that it was exposed and they did the huge press release for the world to see, that day was September 10th, 2001, the day before 9-11. And uh, so that's why they say nobody has ever heard of this. Nobody knew about it because it was essentially swept on the rug because of the biggest you know, national tragedy that we ever had. Yeah. The McDonald's Monopoly scam. Have you guys ever played that? Whether you have or you haven't, I don't care. This show is for you. <laughs> Keeping it raw. Yo, what's up? You're listening to the Keeping It Raw podcast. And this is 2020. What's up, guys? So I recently watched this movie over the weekend called Parasite. And it's a Korean movie. It, it won an award, I think, at the Oscars or the Golden Globes, one of those. Anyway, I... I wanted to watch it because there's been this buzz about it, and um, I listened to another podcast called uh, The Office Ladies, who talk about the show The Office, episode by episode, and uh, Jenna Fisher said that she has watched this movie several times, so I was like, okay, it won an award, you know, she's watched it a couple times, let's let's give it a try. So we watched it, and it's a comedy thriller, uh, and it's super weird, but... It was really cool. So it's a Korean movie, and meaning that it's all subtitles if you don't speak Korean. There were like maybe five lines in English, but you, because of their accents, you didn't know that they were speaking English. Uh, and so it was an interesting movie. It was really symbolic, and um, it seems like every little piece of the movie had some kind of cultural meaning in Korean. Anyway, I just thought it was a cool movie. Um, and uh, yeah, give it a watch. Give it a try if you're into reading <laughs> for an hour and a half or however long the movie was. But over the weekend also there – actually, was that over the weekend? I can't remember. Yeah, there the, the Daytona 500. President Trump was there, and uh, he gave the commencement, you know, gentlemen, start your engines. Uh, this is it. Come on, come on. Here we go. Your engines. F-16s flying overhead as they rev up their engines. 
what a cool thing. I um I made a podcast once about uh Darlington and the race there because of a crime that happened at that uh race. So I've heard, you know, several uh gentlemen start your engines, but did you know that when Danica Patrick was a NASCAR driver, of course she was the only female NASCAR driver, that they instead of saying gentlemen start your engines said drivers start your engines. Well, she has since retired, and now they say they're back to saying gentlemen start your engines. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I um I have been to several NASCAR races, and I've even driven around the track a couple times in a NASCAR, um, like a couple three or four years ago or so. That was cool. Like if you <laughs> they go really fast, obviously, but. When you think about it, I know people that have gone faster than this. So it was, a, I think the top speed I went was like 155 miles an hour, but it was in, in a NASCAR and it was, I don't know if they're called NASCARs. They're called NASCAR stock cars, I think is what it's called. Anyway, so when you're talking about like a mile and a half track, I think it was Charlotte uh, Motor Speedway that I was at, but I think that's the track that's like a mile and a half that we were on and we're going this fast on it you know, with all these turns on this little track and, you know, 155 miles an hour, if you're going straight on a, you know, let's say the Autobahn, that's probably didn't feel like anything, right? Uh, some people, you know, have gone faster. Some people have gone faster in motorcycles, but, uh, when you're on a track that just has all these turns and you're limited to space, uh, it's not a whole lot of places you can go. So the first lap that I was on, I, uh, I was like clinching the whole, I was like clinching the whole time just because it's, you know, really fast and we're going on these turns and I couldn't wrap my mind around the fact that there, that the car wasn't flipping, you know, you're going so fast and you're going on these turns. How is this car not flipping? It was pretty cool. And then after that first lap of that, I was just relaxed the whole time. They did video and everything and uh, I'm just smiling and laughing the whole time because it was so fun. It's like so much adrenaline just pumping through your veins. Such a great experience. Anyway, so that's what happened over the weekend. Oh, one of the things is that uh, Trump led was in the Beast. The Beast is the presidential limousine. He was in the limousine, and they set the pace. They were the pace car for the first lap, uh, which is like a grand marshal kind of thing to do. And so it was pretty cool. Um my mom posted this meme who is not a Trump fan, and she sometimes posts stuff just to irk people. Oh, Levi's here. Say what's up, Levi. Hey. <laughs> so she posted this meme, and it was a NASCAR track, but there was a bunch of wrecks, and there was a Photoshop Trump in the front, like, leading. He, it's just a meme about, like, how he's leading, but he doesn't care about what's behind him in terms of the wrecks that are right behind him. And I'm like staring at the meme. I'm like, yeah, but Trump's still the lead. <laughs> anyway, uh, one of the nastiest things you can get, in my opinion, is take out Mexican food. Am I the only one? Like, I don't want to eat Mexican food unless it's at the restaurant or I mean home cooked, but Takeout Mexican food is the worst. Now, they put them in these tin uh, pans or whatever you want to call them. They're not boxes, but I guess pans and a cardboard lid on top. And it's just, 
when you take it home and eat it, it's just like, I feel like I'm a homeless person eating slop. It, uh, am I the only one that's, I don't understand that whole thing. And I was talking to uh, somebody today about that and they were like, man, I love that. That's like the best. And I was like, you don't feel like a homeless person. Like it's just no offense, homeless people out there. I know you're my biggest fan base. I'm just saying it's, it's just a little weird, you know, and even homeless people don't like that, you know? And anyway, so (laughs) that happened. Now, uh, the coolest thing though, about my job that I have currently in that I've had for a long time, actually, I should, (laughs) I'm acting like I, uh, this week, (laughs) this week on jobs for all. (laughs) Uh, anyway, so yeah, one of the coolest things is the chance to meet new people. Okay. And that's probably what most people would say, but I guess maybe people in retail probably don't care about that. (laughs) There's like, Oh, great. Another customer that knows everything. Uh, one of the coolest things uh, is meeting people, and um, and not all people, but some people are interesting people to meet. And some people always, I just feel like I wish that I had a camera crew every time I had these interactions with people. Like, I wish that uh, people could tell their stories the way they talk to strangers, complete strangers like myself, uh, more openly. I think we can find a lot more commonality, commonality, commality. No, that's not right. Whatever. (laughs) Have a lot more likeness. Uh, if we all understood each other, if we all heard each other's, you know, stories and stuff like that, we would feel like, um, not only were we, uh, not living a solitude kind of life, but living more, um, uh, that there are more options out there, I guess, you know, more pathways, you know, um, you know, someone once told me a long time ago, yeah, we, you know, it just depends on the cars that you're dealt in life as far as the way things will, you know, result, you know, the outcome of situations. And it's, I always have never believed that. I believe that you can be dealt a set of cars, but there, I mean, let's say you're playing poker and you're dealt a set of cards, you know, there are different ways you can go with that. You can, turn to win you can uh you know score with the pair that you have in your hand you know you might be able to win the deck with that you know or win the deck win the pot with that uh you might uh be able to trade it in for a whole new uh, hand or you might be able to upgrade you might you know here comes the river and then boom everything changes so i don't believe in the philosophy that hey you gotta play the cards you're dealt no you don't there's options okay here's you can walk away from the table here I guess metaphorically that might not have been a good <laughs> example, but you get what I'm saying. A couple of years ago, I had actually it was last year, if I'm honest. I did a ride along with a friend of mine. Now I was convinced after that I was going to be a cop, and I had looked into it. I I was looking into it, and ultimately there were two things that deterred me from doing that. One, the income, uh, and two, the family structure. Right, you have to. In order to go to through an academy, you have to have a certain structure, at least a viable option to be gone all the time <laughs> during a police academy. Anyway, so uh, there were a couple of different reasons, and so I dropped that. And I saw a good friend of mine um, who's on a local police department, and he's moved through the ranks. You know, he's done various jobs with the department. Very impressive, um, and he 
uh, I saw him at the mall. I was going through the mall for the first time in forever. And I was like, hey, what's up? I gave him a big old hug. And, and then all of a sudden I was nervous. And I don't know why. It, I was nervous and, you know, it's you ever been nervous and you knew you were, looked nervous? Like I just felt like I was giving off never nervous vibes to a cop that I had I was not intimidated by. I had done nothing wrong, but for some reason I was just nervous. And uh I was talking to him and we we're just like shooting the breeze. Like we have we've known each other for a long time and I was just like, you know, we we're asking each other how it was going and then you know, we were going on the subject, like I was telling him I was interested in joining the police department. And I had back then reached out to him and I told him, you know, and he was like, good luck with everything. I hope it goes well and all this stuff. So it, it, it was pretty interesting, the nervousness that I felt like to somebody that I knew, but I felt like he was thinking, what is this guy hiding <laughs> raw? I know you, what are you hiding? <laughs> and I was like, dude subliminally like I'm not hiding nothing like I have no I don't know why I'm nervous like why I'm and I think it was just because I was low on sugar or something which is such an old person thing to say isn't it I uh, it's but it's also a legit I mean not a legit it's a reasonable excuse like oh man I'm totally nervous I'm sorry I'm giving off nervous vibes I'm just low on sugar or something if I'd have said that he'd he'd probably I bet a bunch of people who are nervous in front of him probably tell him that Oh, it's just sugar. I'm low on sugar. Or uh, I drank an hour ago. I drank two days ago, you know, 15 bottles of beer or something. I mean, police are told everything. Uh, you know, one thing I I learned on the ride along is that uh, doing police work is like 80% civil stuff and 20% like law enforcement. Meaning, if you don't know what that means, that... 80% is just breaking up fights or it's uh, breaking up arguments, I should say. Breaking up arguments. So, like, if you think about it, how many times have you heard somebody, like, in a store say, "Get out. okay, here's an example. I shouldn't say that. Here's an example. You hear somebody that in Walmart, like, get out of my store or I'm going to call the cops. Or get off my property or I'm going to call the cops. Or um, there's somebody out, you know – you might want to go check on them in the parking lot. Uh, they're, they look suspicious or all this stuff. And mostly it's just civil stuff. Like if a cop goes to a store and the owner wants you to leave, then you have to leave. That's all a cop can, can, can do. Uh, and then if you disobey the warnings and all this and you turn it into trespassing, I guess it does become criminal. But police work is like 80% just not doing anything that's in their power. It's just being a presence, an authority that people often fear or respect in both, but make it feel, make them feel, you know, like, okay, fine. The cops here and the cop sides with me or her or whatever. It doesn't matter. But, uh, I think it was, it's pretty interesting. 20% is just pulling over cars or arresting people or, you know, getting drugs off the street and all this stopping gangs and Anyway, so that's a pretty interesting fact. <laughs> uh, there is this comedian that I've been af- obsessed with recently. His, uh, he's a Mexican comedian. He's from Mexico, but uh, is in America now. His name is Felipe Esparza. And he's been on Joe Rogan. He's has his own podcast called What's Up, Fool? Uh, man, that's a very California thing <laughs> to say. What's up, fool? Uh, it's like a Mexican... Uh, 
greeting or whatever, but it's very California. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he's great. He's I I first saw him on uh, Superstore, the show. He does like um like these little guest appearances, but it's not it's not even a major role at all. It's not even a cameo. Uh, he just does a couple small parts and whatever. Anyway, so he does that, and then uh, uh, his podcast is great. Um, if you're Mexican, I would tell you to go ahead and listen to it. Um, he's a vegan, but he's a huge guy. <laughs> he oh he used to um, he used to open up for um, Gabriel Iglesias. And there's like this huge beef with them because uh, of pay. So Felipe, who's a really, really good um, uh, comedian, he um, would open up for him and get paid the same whether he was doing five minutes or 35 minutes. And so he had a problem with that. And he was like, I'm doing really good. I'm killing. Why are you only giving me a small amount of time in front of certain audiences? You know, why don't you give me more time? And Anyway, so there was this dispute, and so what he did was uh, he started messing up. He started doing bad just so that he could get kicked off the tour, and Gabriel Iglesias eventually kicked him off. Uh, but <laughs> he, Felipe is so funny. Um, I think he's funnier than uh, Gabriel Iglesias. I think, I think mostly because Gabriel Iglesias, He's not going to come out with anything new. He doesn't come across as a comedian who's going to give up any more, any new material than what he has. He has his own TV show on Netflix. I know some people who have watched it. I tried to watch a couple episodes and I was done because it was like all the same. It was basically his, his stand-up in the form of a TV show. And I didn't care for it, but there are people obviously who do. And then... so. I, but I don't think you're going to get anything new. I mean, Fluffy was great, but I don't think you're going to... That's how I feel about it. Now, um, uh, if Felipe Esparza, though, he has like a bunch of different stuff. Now, my favorite, though, has to do with uh, <laughs> uh, uh, car accidents and uh, insurance. So he's like, you ever uh, got into a car accident with somebody who didn't have insurance too, <laughs> meaning neither of you guys had insurance. And he would be like, so, uh, so what's up? Uh, so what are we going to do? Just leave. We're good. And they're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And let me pick up my bumper first. <laughs> so funny. So anyway, his podcast is what's up fool <laughs> question mark. And there's mostly Mexicans on there. I uh, watched this clip on YouTube of Joan Rivers. Um, now, she's a comedian who passed away a couple years ago, but uh, she was kind of a vulgar uh, female comedian uh, ahead of her time, and she was like the original... What's that chick's name? I forgot. Uh, I want to say Alicia, Alyssa. I'm probably way off on that. Sarah Silverman, that's what it was. Anyway, so Joan Rivers, yeah. So I'm going to play you this clip of a CNN bit, you know, and uh, about when she passed away. And it was so interesting. Um, here, just let me play it. Fox came with this amazing offer, and we took it. And he was the first one I called. Oh, let me explain this. So back in the day, Joan Rivers would do comedy clubs in New York. And uh she had done it for like eight years and just wasn't getting picked up, wasn't getting anything from it. 
Johnny Carson saw her and brought her on the Tonight Show and allowed her to um, do some comedy and then brought her over and said, you know, you're a star. You're really going to make it or something to that effect. And so since then, she had been really close to him, like appreciating this big opportunity, this door that Johnny Carson opened for her. And it was great. Um, So she apparently would uh, guest host. So whenever Johnny Carson wouldn't be able to make the show, she would fill in for him. And she became like the first late night female comedian to host a show. And she was the first. uh, And she was actually his his fill-in. So she became the permanent host whenever he couldn't make it. Now, um, because she did so well, Fox gave her her own late night show and she had her own, you know, it was great. Uh, but whenever she, um, she did it, whenever she got that and signed the contract, the first call she made was to Johnny Carson. And when she called him to tell him all he thought was, I gave you this huge opportunity and now you're my rival. Now you have a competing talk show with my with my talk show. And apparently he hung up the phone on her and never talked to her ever again. When he died, when he died, they had not resolved it. They had never spoken. And so this is her kind of talking about it. Let me uh, start this again. Making her Johnny Carson's rival. Carson felt betrayed. And the two never talked again. Fox came with this amazing offer and we took it. And he was the first one I called. And as I said, he hung up. And um, that really hurt me. All these years, it's always upset me. The year after her show premiered was a tough one for Joan Rivers. Her program was canceled. Her husband committed suicide. And she was banned from The Tonight Show for almost 28 years. Until this year, when Jimmy Fallon took over. She made a quick cameo in February. 49 years to the day after her very first Tonight Show appearance. Then she had a full segment in March. I have a photo of you. This is uh, you and uh, right in this same studio in 1965. Uh, you and Johnny. Here, second, second night that I was on, That's and right. I had been working eight years in Greenwich Village and nothing. And he said, "God bless him. You're going to be a star." It, it, it changed my life. Acknowledging the support of Johnny Carson, even after all they had both been through. Joan, I can't, I gotta say, it really means a lot to me that you're on the show tonight. I love you so much. Pal. I love you back, my Joan. Gary Tuckman, CNN, Atlanta. So it was really cool because through all those years, 28 years of being banned on The Tonight Show, like, okay, so she was banned under Carson. Carson didn't want her back, okay? And then Jay Leno came in and took over The Tonight Show. And Jay Leno, Jay Leno honored Johnny Carson's wishes and never had her back. <laughs> and so she hated Jay Leno because uh, she always said that he wasn't funny and all this. Uh, Jay Leno also became the permanent host of um, permanent guest host while Johnny Carson uh, was still hosting. And whenever he couldn't, uh, he would come in and fill in. Anyway, so after all these years, she never, ever said a bad word about Johnny Carson, even though he completely shut her out. And he, and, you know, in this segment, she pointed to his picture that Jimmy Fallon was showing her and said, that man, God bless him. He gave me a shot. Isn't that great? Like, how grateful is somebody to never forget where they came from, to never forget 
the help that they were given despite everything that they had been to, been through. That's pretty great. So who are you ignoring? Who should you appreciate that you aren't appreciating, even though they have given you everything? They had given you your opportunity. Anyway, that's today's show. Thanks for listening to Keeping It Raw. Uh, you have a great day. Bye. Yo, what's up? Yeah. You're listening to the Keeping It Raw podcast.